0: Hi, everyone. My name is Lavang Vijay I am a shareholder at Little Mendelssohn's Chicago office. I am also a member of the firm's pro bono committee. This week, we are joining the American Bar Association and many other law firms nationwide in a national celebration of pro bono week. This year's theme is Voices of Democracy, Ensuring Justice for All. As part of our firm's celebration, we are doing a series of podcasts highlighting the excellent pro bono work Little Lawyers have done this year. In this podcast, I have the honor of chatting with Jenny Schwenderman from our St. Louis office and Dan Kim from our Chicago office. I will be talking to Jenny and Dan about their pro bono work assisting immigrants from Afghanistan. As we all know, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan was completed in August 2021 and the Taliban has now returned to power in the country. This geopolitical situation is the backdrop for Jenny and Dan's work with these pro bono clients. So let's start with Jenny. Jenny, can you tell us about your client and the work you have done for them?
1: Absolutely. I'm working with a family of four where the father was part of the Afghanistan Army and he was working with the U.S. Armed Forces. He and his wife and their two children were able to get out on one of the last planes that left Cabal in September of 21. They were moved to a U.S. military base out on the east coast where they spent several months until February of 2022, at which time they moved over to the United States into the St. Louis area. They are part of a group of Afghanistanis who are being hosted by the International Institute of St. Louis. And the International Institute of St. Louis recruited different neighborhood groups in the St. Louis area to basically adopt these families and to work with them and to provide shelter and food and clothing and transportation while they assimilated and became acclimated to their new home and to the United States. So I've been working with them for quite some time since uh, I first met them in uh, March of uh, 2022 and have been working with them to establish their permanent residency in the United States.
0: Wow. Thank you, Jenny. Same question for Dan. Can you tell us about your client and the work you've done for them? Sure, Lavanga.
2: My client is an Afghan woman. She's part of a religious and ethnic minority. And prior to her coming to the States, she worked as a flight attendant. And what happened was that she was living in Kabul in August of 2021. And when the Taliban entered and the government, the former government of Afghanistan fell, her employer asked for volunteers to find folks that would be willing to staff uh, evacuation flights, chartered evacuation flights to get those Afghans who would assist the US forces out of the country. And so my client volunteered and she worked uh, on a few uh, evacuation flights flying out of Kabul International Airport. And on the last evacuation flight out, after she had landed in a third country, She was told that the Americans have left the airport and that once you return to Afghanistan, there will be no getting out. And so, of course, at that point, you know, her hands were tied. And so she filed for asylum and eventually she found her way in the United States. And the work that I've been doing with her was really um, she found herself in another city in the Midwest. And another attorney had really prepped uh, much of the asylum paperwork for her. And then she had relocated to Chicago, and at that point, she needed assistance in preparing for her asylum interview. And so that's where uh, myself and Todd Church, uh, another shareholder in the Chicago office, came in. That's what we've been uh, doing with regards to her claim.
0: Thanks, Dan. That's great work uh, from both of you. How did each of you learn about each of your pro bono opportunities, and did you work with any organizations in, in doing this work? Jenny?
1: Well, I became aware of the need for the family to have a volunteer lawyer through a friend of mine who was actually part of the neighborhood group that was working with the International Institute. So she did some personal outreach to me. And once I met with the neighborhood group and and realized how committed they were to this family and all the work that they had done to prepare for, for their homecoming, which is what, that's how they described it when the family first moved to St. Louis. It was easy to want to become involved with this group and to want to help them. I had a great deal and continue to have a great deal of assistance and support, not only through the International Institute, but through Catholic Legal Ministries here in St. Louis. They have a, a very specific, very strong program dedicated to helping the Afghanistan refugees. And St. Louis has seen several hundred of Afghan refugees be relocated here in St. Louis and CLAM has been instrumental in giving me guidance. In handling this uh, immigration matter. I am not an immigration attorney, but I have learned a great deal through the help of the mentoring that the CLAM attorneys have provided me with, as well as assistance through our own uh, Littler network and attorneys who have done similar work in the firm.
0: Thanks, Jenny. It's great to know that you have that support in doing work where you don't have prior experience. And Dan, how did you learn about this particular opportunity?
2: Well, in Earlier this year in January, uh, you actually sent out a, an, an all-office email. Good for me. Uh, so what had happened is you had known my client's prior attorney in the other Midwest city who had prepped most of the asylum paperwork uh, and just needed a an attorney in Chicago to conduct a handoff and help prepare for the interview. And when I saw that she was uh, an Afghan asylum seeker, I just, my hand shot up.
0: Got it. And- I understand that you've been working with a local Chicago nonprofit organization that's dedicated to immigrant rights. Uh, is that correct, Dan?
2: That's right. The uh, organization is called the National Immigrant Justice Center. And although they didn't really bring in our clients, you know, they didn't do the initial legwork with our clients, they've gone out of their way to provide resources, answer last minute questions I had, because this is my first asylum case, and particularly here where the stakes are really high. You know, they, they help provide the safety backstop, I guess, to make sure that uh, I did everything right in, in accordance with the, with the uh, procedural rules. Right. Thanks, Dan. And you mentioned the stakes. How do each of
0: you see the stakes of this type of case representing this type of client? And How does that impact your role as the client's advocate? Uh, You know, if you would look at it another way, what do these cases mean to you on a professional and personal level? Jenny, I'll start with you.
1: Lavanga, that's a really important question and one that I struggled with over the last couple of days because I knew that we had talked that this might be something you were going to ask me about. I've handled a lot of pro bono cases over my career, and this one in particular is so personal to me and I think in part it's because it has made me realize how fortunate we are as U.S. citizens, how fortunate we are to have the education that we have, to have the benefits that we have to us. I'm working with this family who came over to the United States and knew very little English. They had two very small children and they essentially had nothing with them when they arrived. They did not have any paperwork other than what they were given when they left Afghanistan and arrived in the United States. They didn't have their original passports. They didn't have their original birth certificates. They had very few belongings. And I have seen them grow and thrive, learn to speak English. I've seen their children grow and start making friends. They have had a third child now. I have really experienced a lot of the things that for us, in the United States, we see as everyday normal occurrences. They have purchased a car. Unfortunately, they were in a car accident, so they had to have a, a car insurance claim. They had to get a driver's license before they could buy the car. Things like that, that, that we just, everyday actions, going to the grocery store, before they had a car, the father, he would ride his bike to the grocery store when it was necessary so that he could provide food for his family. And I mean ride his bike in cold weather and in icy conditions. The neighbors had been wonderful in helping out in many, many ways, but they couldn't be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And my family has really learned to adjust, to make new friends, to go do the things that we just take for granted on a daily basis. And so for me, seeing them go through that just has made me realize how appreciative we all should be. And when we have an opportunity to help others, um, whether it's an Afghanistan refugee, or whether it's someone who may be homeless, or someone who is in need of legal assistance and who is less fortunate than ourselves, we really should take advantage of that and give back. And for me, this has been a way to do that.
2: Wow. Thanks, Jenny. Dan? Well, let me just talk a little bit about my client's background. Her family is part of a persecuted ethnic religious minority in Afghanistan. And in the 90s, her family fled Afghanistan when the Taliban came to power. And they only returned in 2001 when America you know, went into Afghanistan as a result of 9-11. And from there, you know, she, my client represents everything that is antithetical to what the Taliban believe in. She's a single woman, she's educated, and she worked in a profession that much of the Taliban would r- likely, and most men in Afghanistan would likely disagree with. Uh, so the stakes here, if she were to return, is clearly almost life and death. And I think on a personal level for me, she's the same age as me. and. Before going to law school, I was in the Marines and that included a deployment to Afghanistan's Helmand province uh, in 2013 to 2014. And I think meeting this client is a nice reminder that, you know, for for myself and a whole generation of other Marines and uh, other service members who had served in Afghanistan that, you know, what we were doing there was 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 just, you know, it, it was for a noble purpose. We tried in providing opportunities. For folks like my client to achieve their potential, so to speak, and you know, it was heartbreaking watching the scenes from the airport in August of 2021 when the government of Afghanistan fell and the Taliban returned to power. And so, I, and in that regard, you know, doing what I can to assist individuals like my client, I think, kind of really helps things come full circle. I guess from from my experiences from when I served over there.
0: Thank you, Dan. And thank you, Jenny. That's that's really moving what you both just said. What would you tell other attorneys who are considering doing this type of pro bono work or, or any pro bono work for that matter? Jenny?
1: I would encourage you not to be afraid. Don't be afraid to step outside your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to actually raise your hand and get involved. I had absolutely, as I mentioned earlier, no experience with immigration law, but I felt a need to step up and do something for this family. I felt compelled. And I think if you have that feeling, if there's a case or an organization that you really feel passionate about, that you know deserves help, that is in need of help, and you have the ability to give it and you want to give it, don't be afraid to look into that and to investigate the possibilities of you serving as a pro bono lawyer. There are so many resources out there for any type of legal work that you might want to do that can help you kickstart a pro bono project. And both internally, as I mentioned earlier, and Dan, by the way, I will probably be giving you a call about my case later on. So please take my phone call, Um, both internally at Littler and externally within your communities, within your legal communities, the bar associations, the nonprofits that are in the cities that you are in, they will offer mentoring and training. They'll pair you up with a lawyer. They won't let you go it alone, so to speak. So don't be afraid to to take that case that might interest you or that you really feel you're connected to somehow because we won't let you go it alone. Um, the bono committee in Littler will make sure that you have the resources that you need. And it can really be not only a life-changing experience for the person who you're helping. I mean, you're you know Dan and I hopefully are giving these individuals, these families a fresh start. A brand new opportunity to to live in the United States and and to grow their families, but it could also be someone who just needs to stay in their home, someone who's about to be evicted and they have nowhere else to go, someone who needs a guardianship over their adult child with disabilities. There there are so many needs out there. You can learn how to do it. We can help you. Please don't be afraid to say yes.
2: Thanks, Jenny. Dan. I think the initial hesitancy that most folks will have with taking on these sorts of cases is that the stakes are just too high. Well, I guess in my situation, failure is not an option. But just the simple fact that you represent somebody, I think, is a life-changing event for some of these individuals. Our legal system is independent. We have an independent judiciary. And for a lot of people who we represent in these types of cases, that's not the norm for where they come from. So the simple fact that you are advocating on their behalf free of charge I think is a is a great introduction to what I think makes our country great you know this great melting pot that we have and we have individuals here particularly at Littler who are willing to you know advocate for their clients in potentially life or death situations so I think that's how I see the role here and this is why I think uh, asylum work in particular is very important that we uh, provide our time and experience as just being advocates and advocating on their behalf.
0: Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jenny and Dan, both of you, for, for sharing your stories about the wonderful pro bono work that you do. Your work is a testament to our firm's commitment to pro bono representation of those in our community who need it the most. For those little attorneys listening, If Dan's and Jenny's stories have inspired you to do more pro bono work and you have questions about finding such opportunities, please contact your office pro bono liaison or myself or any of our pro bono committee members. A quick reminder that Littler proudly provides 100% billable credit for up to 100 hours of pro bono work each year. For those of our corporate clients or prospective clients listening in, If you would like to work on a pro bono project with one of our little attorneys like Dan or Jenny, please contact me or any of our pro bono committee members. For us little attorneys, one of the most rewarding experiences is to serve a pro bono client side by side with one of our corporate clients please look out for additional podcasts published this week featuring more great pro bono work by our little attorneys. This is Lavanga Vijaykorn signing off, wishing you all a great pro bono week. Thank you.